Hello, and welcome to Ruth Bears Witness, the podcast, where you can listen to the stories I've written in my blog posts. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled, The Jesus That Sees Us, Autoimmune Encephalitis, Epilepsy, and the Gospel of Mark. Part of my series, To Hell and Back, Our Panda's Journey. The last 10 years of motherhood have had me wrestling with and reconciling my faith in Jesus while turning over every stone searching for ways and means to heal my very ill children. Surviving from crisis to crisis is isolating and terribly lonely as most people really have no idea what families like mine endure, and they don't want to know. I have dangled at the end of several long ropes managing epilepsy, pandas, and NMDAR encephalitis. But I find Jesus boring deep into my broken heart when I fall into a passage in Mark chapter 9 that speaks to the world I'm surviving. It's one of the few stories or references in the Gospels that I have ever read that honestly acknowledge the realities of families like mine. I stumble upon it, and I'm reminded that we are seen and truly known by Jesus, even if the world does not recognize what the scripture is actually describing. It takes my breath away every time. In this passage, Jesus has just come down from the mountain where he revealed his divine glory to Peter, James, and John as he spoke with Moses and Elijah the prophets. Verse 15 starts, As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked the crowd. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. So many pastors and Christians look at this passage and think, oh, the man just didn't have enough faith so his son could not be healed. I know that is nonsense because I have lived out this father and son backstory. 
At this time in history, people had no other way to explain this son's ailment other than demon possession. But having lived under the same roof as children with epilepsy and encephalitis, it rings awfully familiar to me. Look at this story for a moment from the father's perspective. I can easily fill you in with a composite of my life before my son's epilepsy was miraculously healed and my daughter's still didn't have access to proper medical intervention. Father has taken his son to every healer he can find. Their promises of relief are empty. He and his wife have tried every medicinal remedy known to man. They've paid priests to bless the child and heal him, but to no avail. He has offered extra sacrifices on the appropriate holidays if he can even get to the temple. And when he does show his face, they all say he and his wife committed some kind of awful sin for their son to be this way. Blaming them. But really, he's just been too busy trying to keep his son alive and safe to even bother. He can no longer work at his regular job like he used to. His brother brings fish and bread twice a week. His whole existence revolves around one prayer. God, please heal my broken child. The village he lives in ostracizes them after that first night when the son's arms and legs went rigid. His eyes rolled into the back of his head and he began screaming about the devil swirling around his face while trying to throw himself into the fire his mother had been cooking at. The father barely caught the child by the arm when this unexpected, inhuman behavior came without warning. But father couldn't save his son from burning his little hand. The child didn't even notice the blistering flesh as his fit continued to rage on and on, and he violently kicks his father, wrenching his hand away with superhuman strength, throwing the father off balance and onto the ground. Then the boy turns and dashes toward the river. In less than a second, father's world is violently shoved from a typical evening that he has always enjoyed with neighbors into a nightmare as he realizes his son is not right. He rushes after his injured child, tackling to the ground as gently as he can, just steps from the rushing river that the child would surely drown in. What has happened to the happy child he's always known? This same child's tiny feet and fists are flying, lending blows all over father's body and on the rocky ground until he is worn out and bloody. They lay panting in the dirt for a moment when the son raises his head, looks him in the eye, and in a deadly, calm voice says, Let me burn, devil. I want to die. And as the hairs raise on the back of the father's neck, the child's calm voice begins screaming in terror as though the father himself is actually a devil. Let me die! Let me die, you devil! Let me die! 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 Eyes open wide with dilated pupils, his little body begins rocking back and forth and doesn't stop till he's hoarse. Father begs, he croons, he soothes and shushes, but to no avail. 
and then suddenly the child pulls handfuls of his own hair right out of his scalp so father takes the son's hands and bear hugs the child they rock together as they both collapse into sobs of anguish the boy begins to finally feel the blisters on his hand throbbing and as he comes back to himself the shame it washes over him as he realizes what he has done moments maybe hours pass as they sit in despair and exhaustion and then the son looks up and mournfully cries i'm sorry papa i'm so sorry i don't know why i did that i'm so sorry father picks him up like he did when he was an infant and carries his limp body home he lays him in his bed deep into the night father and mother are ripped out of sleep when they hear their son's low guttural moan just before he goes rigid all over again The village stays away after that night. No one comes near their house for the screams they hear emanating at all hours of the day and night. After years of suffering, the child has lost his speech and his vision has become very blurry. The scars all over his arms and hands are hard to look at. The scars are reminders of all the times father couldn't keep his son safe. His constant failure in an impossible situation years go by father's prayer mantra always is a breath away begging the god of all creation to heal and restore his precious son one day he hears that jesus and his disciples are in the village and in his utter exhaustion I mean bags under his eyes, sores on his face from an ongoing traumatic stress disorder, the prematurely gray hair and the bruises on his arms from last night's wrestling match to keep the son from hurting himself. Yet again, he asks the disciples for healing. He has heard they can even raise the dead. But as the disciples attempt to heal the son, their efforts go the way of every other method. Failure. But then Jesus approaches and questions the crowd about the situation, and the father explains that his son has had this affliction since childhood. But if you can do anything, help us. The statement is not questioning whether Jesus can. The father is questioning, will you help me or not, or do I have to keep failing on my own? See Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 42 where the leper says to Jesus, "If you are willing, you can heal me." It's all in the if. He's exhausted and he doesn't have time to keep proving his belief. His son is currently in the middle of a dangerous episode in the real time right in front of Jesus. He's reached a point in his faith where he fully understands that the only hope for physical salvation is Jesus himself, if that is what Jesus chooses to do for them. And the only hope for spiritual salvation is if Jesus will deliver them from this hell. 
I mean, Jesus is still glowing after his time on the mountain. His divine nature is quite obvious. If there is anything left in this man's broken heart at all, Jesus will have to heal it. And there has to be something there because the father has not yet given up on his son. He wants healing for his son and for his own mind and spirit. The only way to heal both of them is to heal this child immediately. Otherwise, they are relegated to a life of violent survival mode. Broken. Humans aren't meant to live like this. It's the same for families like mine. Jesus has to intervene, providing the ways and means for us to survive. Not a stronger faith. In fact, ultimately Jesus says his disciples couldn't save the boy because that level of illness can only be helped with fasting and praying, not faith or belief alone. We know God can do anything, but will he? We cannot survive without him leading and sustaining us every step of the way. And the only way we have been able to re-enter social life in public or in ministry is because of the healing that God has provided through medical intervention for all three of my children. Otherwise, my life would look very much like the man's did up until his encounter with Jesus. Pandas, pans, autoimmune encephalitis families desperately need healing to live out a life of faith, to have a life at all. And since I now have teams of doctors helping us manage the impossible, I can fight for families like ours. I won't stop until everyone who suffers this way has access to the care they need. If I am the hands and feet of Jesus, ushering in God's kingdom here on earth, then I must advocate for those who still suffer the oppression that comes with medical discrimination, isolation from community, and ongoing and unaddressed trauma from unceasing suffering and crisis without access to life-saving treatments. Jesus does see you, pandas, pans, autoimmune encephalitis, and uncontrolled epilepsy families. I know because he saw this father and his son. He saw the leper asking for healing in Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 42. He saw and healed Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 3. You can also watch episode 1 of season 1 of the Chosen TV series for a reimagining of her healing encounter with Jesus. He sees my children and he sees me too. Thank you for joining me today. Take care and God bless. You can visit my website at ruthbearswitness.wordpress.com for more of my stories.